Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing. Through interviews, tips and lessons learned, we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. So let's get started. Welcome back to the CPI podcast. Today we have another instalment in the Container Self Storage mini-series and boy do we have a great show for you. I'm super pleased to tell you that we have none other than Dean Booty back on the show. Dean has a fantastic self-storage business called Stormore Self Storage. He's a prolific podcaster and a continual student of the industry and he's really excited with the opportunities for container storage right now. We cover lots of topics in this interview. In fact, we cover so much that we split it into two episodes. The first covers lots of lessons and mechanics about finding and assessing sites, plus more on the excitement that's building in the container storage industry right now. And the second is focused more specifically on the business side and the operations for a self-storage business. So keep an eye out for that release over the coming weeks. But for now, tighten up your swimming gear and let's dive in. Dean, welcome. Great to see you back again. Cheers, Jerry. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Yes, great. Great to see you. Great to chat to you. We've just had um, an extended off-air discussion, (laughs) which we really should have hit record on. But nevertheless, we're going to cover some things we were just chatting about. Thanks for coming on to talk really specifically about container storage, right? But also, I thought it would be very sensible for us because you were on the podcast a year or so ago to really just do a bit of an update on where we're at, right? Because things have changed. I think when we did the recording, we were trying to remember earlier on, it was definitely during that kind of covid time, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe so. I on think the second wave. Somewhere yeah. on there. <laughs> so, you know, that disruption and how it changed the market as well. So maybe you could just give us a quick update on where you are right now in terms of business and the sites that you have, just to give some context for listeners that maybe didn't catch up on that previous episode. Yeah, so, so in terms of COVID, when COVID first hit, it was we we shut our facilities down um, and we was all working from home. We lost 30% of our customers overnight. And I, I, I started doing my numbers thinking, oh, my God, I'm in trouble here. Jesus Christ, oh, oh, this is, this is going to be bad. This is going to be real bad. And my sisters had a wedding business as well. They, they hired out teepees for weddings. So yeah. as a family, it was, it was like, okay, this could be really, really serious. <laughs> but then straight away, or almost overnight, people were moving homes, people wanting to use self-storage. And we not only gained that 30% back, we was full in nearly every single depot. And so I was like, right, okay, supply and demand. And um, 
I just I just saw the opportunity and we increased every customer's price. We, we, we do price increases all the time, but the prices changed that much, demand changed that much, that we really took the bull by the horn and we increased everybody's prices by nearly 20%, depending on what they were paying. And we increased the street rate as well. So straight off the bat, we, we had another 16,000 pounds the next month in, in revenue, which went straight to the bottom line, which was fantastic. However, I did a podcast on my on my podcast about self storage, saying winter is coming maybe seven months ago because it's it's almost like a wave. Whatever comes in, it has to come out eventually, and we're seeing that now. In October, it was the highest square foot we'd ever been in my sites, and that was that was what three four months ago, and now or well, five months ago, and now we're we we was. 90% full. We're 72% full at our big site now. We're, we are site, we're starting to see a correction. Um, I'm big into my analytics and on Google, the search terms are still higher than there was pre-COVID. So I really do think that we're still in for a good summer. However, I do think the, the move outs will continue because of chain. They're bound to because of coming people during the COVID time now no longer need their, their self-storage. So we're just seeing a correction in the market going from, from what, what it was during COVID to now pre-COVID levels, maybe just a bit higher than pre-COVID. So in terms of me and my sites, we've got um, we've got Willoughby, which is a 30,000 square foot facility with 516 units in, in inside. Um, we've got 52 containers outside. It's quite a big, a big site. Well, it's big for me. And then we've got Beverly, my container site, which is up for container site of the year, actually, at the conference. We won it, we won it last year as well. Uh, so that's, that's really, we've got 92 <laughs> Um, units there where we're 85% full. That that just that, I mean we'll go into container sites later, but that, that that's a beautiful site. It just it just works. And then we've got Clough Road, which has only been open maybe 13 months, and it's 10,000 square foot building. We've got obviously got a mezzanine floor in there. We've got 10 containers on the outside, and we are currently 62.4. I'm just checking the numbers now. Percent full, so it's it's going really really well. It's got past that critical point where we're paying the debt back and we're paying all the expenses associated to it and uh, it's now in a cash flow positive position which after 13 months is really good and then we bought a site in Wrexham um, which we we bought it for 90,000 um, we bought we paid 45,000 up front we're paying 45,000 pound over two years the site was only making 12,000 pound a year however there was 20,000 pounds worth of staff expenses there so really the site was making 30,000 pound um, it was it was run by a an elderly couple, really, really nice, down to earth, um, but their systems are completely different to how we we do it. They have no revenue management. They they used to say that you could pay when you want. A cust customer will pay when they want. Like, well, of course they will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so many direct debits will never work because the customers don't like it. Um, and so we, we've we've changed a few things. And and that site, I, re I reckon we can get that site to making around about a hundred thousand pound in the next year or so. So ninety thousand pound purchase, and you know we'll 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 pay that off. Within a year, so so that that's basically where we are at the, at the minute, Jerry. That's a pretty quick summary. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think when we last spoke, Clough Clough Road, I can't, I don't think you'd opened it, Dean. I think we we were just before that had opened up, yeah. And there were, you know, that was a big investment for you that fit out and everything else, and and it sounds like it's been going pretty well. Seventy one percent is that where you had planned it to be? Yeah, it's actually better than, than than we anticipated. So what I do is I do my projections based on I do worst case, 
middle case and then best case. And then I always I always do my cash flows based on the worst case scenario. And so I think worst case scenario was was going to fill up with like 300 square foot per month. And we're filling up at 1,000 square foot per month. And I think the best case, I did put around about 900 square foot. So we're just, we're, it, it started really, really well. And it's just slowed down during the winter periods, but it's still better than where we expected to be. However, when, when you start so well, you're thinking, oh my God, I'm going to fill up in a year. And it just tapered off a little bit. But yeah, yeah. We're, we're still past our best case expectations. I think, I think that's all that low-hanging fruit though, isn't it? Often when you go into a new market, if there's not lots of competitors, there's some low-hanging fruit there that's just been needing stores and they've just been making do with the garage or the spare room or whatever. And so they they move in quite quickly and then it's trying to reach out beyond that, isn't it, for the for the businesses yeah. and everything else. What, what, what's been difficult, because um, we've got two sites in Hull, one in Willoughby, that's a big site, and um, the one in Clough Road, the, the site we're talking about now, the difference there is that Clough Road, we do have a lot of competitors. However, we outposition all our competitors. We're next door to Starbucks and Greg's, which you couldn't get a better location. It is perfect. However, there is a lot of container sites around us. And so we've got container sites charging, you know, twenty pound. Well, we're charging sixty pound for yeah. for for a unit. And so we've got to get that across in our marketing how we're different. And and we we have found that a little bit dif- difficult when customers says, "Well, I can get storage on the corner for this." And so in one breath we're saying container storage is fantastic for my Beverly site, and in another breath we're saying, "Yeah, but container it's all outdoor. You know, it's better to be indoors." <laughs> so you've got to be a little bit careful how we how yes. we do things. <laughs> so we're here to talk about containers, right? But it sounds like not just Beverly. Beverly's your container-only site, but also you've got containers in other locations. So how many containers overall are you looking after, Dean? Uh, 62. Um, around about 100 and 150 containers at the minute, uh, somewhere somewhere on there. Uh, actually, I, I heard you on your podcast on, on this uh, this show uh, saying about people don't utilize the car parking and i 100 percent agree uh, absolutely when i talk to self-storage owners and they've got a car park sometimes i mean my, my car park is half an acre at willoughby because it's such a big building some people aren't utilizing their car park whatsoever it's like wrexham we've got we've got um we can fit in um probably 40 containers and they've never ever put containers on because they're indoor self-storage. Yeah, but you can be the best of both worlds. You can have indoor and outdoor. And uh, so, yeah, I completely agree that that's low-hanging fruit that people are completely missing where you're already paying the rent for your your building. That's free space. It's free land. Exactly. It's 100% what you said. Yeah, yeah. And and Rex and Rice, you can get 40 more on that site. And that's almost like another business just on that location. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's a good location. There's a container site just down the road from us as well, and they're full. So it's it's an it's an absolute no-brainer to get Wheelbox in and get the containers in there. But the, the one thing that they didn't have is that they didn't have a fence around it. So they just had – I'm a big believer in that you should have more security points, uh, more than one security points. And so at the minute, it was just walk up to the door and go in, um, where now I put a gated fence around it. I spent 20-odd grand on fencing. And then a gate as well, which is a, a PTI gate. So they've got their own pin code to, to put in to access it. And then we can put containers in. Um, that's going to be finished next week, I believe, or back in the this week. And then so we can get utilizing that space and putting containers in. And they just didn't they, – they said that they price it up and it just wasn't worth it for them. But you can understand this. They're – period of their life they didn't want to do the investment and get the yep. money back over you know one or two years they just want interested and uh, obviously to get the fencing as well it's a big capital expense for them 
Fab, I want to talk about manless stuff later on, so we'll come back to Wrexham, right? Just summarise about your container. So you're saying there's about 150 containers. What What is the occupancy? Is that tracked the same as your internal storage over the last sort of 18 months, or has that changed in uh, any different ways? Yeah, do, do you know what? This is one thing I was going to actually talk to you about today. I've got a, a note when I was listening to your <laughs> podcast last night, and um, I actually think the occupancy in containers sites are better than internal because I, I believe that... Obviously, the economic climate at the minute, I think people uh, are trying to save money where they can. If you're spending, say, £22 per square foot for indoor cell storage and it's maybe £9.75 per square foot in a containerized storage, people are going to start leaving internal storage and using external storage instead. I was speaking to somebody a couple of days ago and they've got nine external sites and across the board, they're 93% occupied. I was like, yeah. holy wow, that, that's incredible. And they think they're having a bad time of it because they're usually 96, 97. <laughs> and so I think that people are more sticky externally because the price is different. And also, I, I just love the container containerized business model because you, you can extend as and when you need to rather than when, when you know, you don't have to do 10,000 square foot at a time. Yeah, and and the internal stuff. There's more costs. There's 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 obviously more utilities and everything else that we as owners need to think about. Whereas with the containers, just just the metal box, isn't it? Right. I mean, it's such a such an uncomplicated business. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm pricing. Uh, so we're, we're we're solicitors at the minute for a new site in Mansfield, twenty thousand square foot, but we can get seventy outdoor containers on, which is incredible. Um, but we price it up. I need a million pound. With with cash flow, I, I need I need a million pound to 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 get fully fit this building out. This that's before any containers as well, because not just only do I need the cash flow to do the internal fit out, which is expensive, but and the mezzanine flooring as well. I I also need to have a runway of, of cash as well, because the rent is over a hundred thousand pound a year, and then the rates are currently sixty thousand pound a year, which we can get down. But let's say we don't get them down for for whatever reason, that's one hundred and sixty thousand pound a year before we've got any customers in so our expenses are there and then we'll slowly but surely get customers in and then we've got the electric and we've got you know the water we've got the staffing you know all things associated with it don't get me wrong when when you hit maturity it's a brilliant investment but it's just getting to that point of maturity so your you, critical point where the cash flow um coming in beats the expense yep. going out and when you get to there then it's it's a wonderful business model but also i do i do also think that that is part of the the joy of indoor cell storage because it's almost like a, a moat around your business because not everybody can afford to do that so your competition is limited because there's not as many barriers to entry sure and you if you look more barriers to entry sometimes when you look at areas I've, I've studied some areas for putting out um putting in storage investment and you you initially look online, you think, holy moly, there's loads and loads of sites. But actually, when you look at the quality, they have gone for much less quality. There's less barriers to entry, and we'll cover that more about containers, of course. But you just actually, when you look at the quality of the offer, a lot of it is down at the lower end. And to differentiate yourself, as you say, is putting in something that's got more quality, more facilities. I mean, there's so many different ways of peeling, isn't it? Whether it's it, best looking security, quality looking site, new containers, all these different things. There's loads of ways of differentiating yourself. But fundamentally, when you're looking at markets, I have found that often the quality is lower. So although they may look saturated, actually, there's quite a lot of opportunity. Yeah. And for uh, something or a better quality product. Yeah. I listened to a podcast and uh, somebody said there's always room for the best. 
And I was like, oh, I, I love that. I love that quote. Here's something interesting as well, which I've, to, to be honest, I'm, I'm ashamed that I've only just figured it out. So as you, as you know, I love mentors. And uh, I, I don't I don't think he's publicly doing any mentorship, but he's, he's well known in the self-storage industry. So uh, he was looking at my site for me just to make sure uh, that it's okay, because you don't know what you don't know. And have I missed something because you get emotionally connected to, to a site. And so he was looking at it for me and he's, he came out with this nugget. And I was like, oh my God, I've never known that. He was looking at the wages in a in a set area, and then he was saying to me, "Well, people can afford this." And I'm like, "How do you know what people can afford for self storage?" And there was a study done in America, and apparently, that people are willing to spend six point five percent of their wages on self storage on on things like self storage. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And so he's based all of his decisions around this six point five percent of the wage. And so he said, "Look, the wage is this. Currently, people are asking to. to they're only asking for three percent at the minute at Mansfield for for the competitors. And so you know full well that people can afford it in Mansfield at that price. And so you can get him in at three percent, but you can almost double people's rent over a period of time before that they will consider that unacceptable expense." I was like, that is a beautiful little nugget. Anything <laughs> over six and a half percent, people will start questioning that expense and start moving out. And it was done over many, many thousands of people in, because obviously self-storage in America is massive. And uh, not many people talk about that in England. It's a great little number. I, I remember previously discussing about how looking at the demographics of different areas and the ratio of how much storage there is to people is so under it, it's so far below the us and australia in terms of um our our overall supply in the uk that that number just looking at new areas is, is a great little tool isn't it to be able to just do a search on a particular city if you're looking at for instance and working out well actually how many square feet of storage space is available for the population and Dean, correct me on the numbers, but I'm I'm pretty sure the US is over ten square foot per person. Yeah, depending on different areas, so it ranges from nine to fifteen, depending yep. on different areas. It's and crazy. in the UK, if we're up at one uh, sorry, one square foot per person, that's pretty good going, right? We're at 0.76 at the minute, and, yeah. and the latest numbers that came out last year it was 0.76, which is incredible. And do, do you know, uh, because I, I I come on I come on these podcasts, and obviously on my podcast, talk about self storage. I, I believe in 10 years' time we'll look back on this and think, why didn't we take the opportunity? I I, I keep talking to people, and I, I see operators, and I'm not for one minute saying I'm an A star operator at all, but in self storage, you can be an F operator and get A star results at the minute because it is just an industry that's growing and growing and growing. And people are opening container sites at the back of an industrial state. It's working. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that'll work all the time. But at the minute, we've got such a fantastic opportunity. And I do get a lot of grief from people in the self-storage industry because they keep saying, why are you putting this information out there? Why Why would you go on to a podcast like yourselves and say how good self-storage is? And you're asking for competition. You're asking people to come into market. And I'm, I say, no, I'm, I'm not. It's quite the opposite because I want educated competition. I don't want uneducated competition. If you're educated, then you will know, you will do your numbers and think, do you know what? I've done the reports and I know that this place is undersupplied of self-storage. So therefore I can come into that market and I, me coming in there is not going to create an oversupply. And so that's an educated operator. An uneducated operator would just think, oh, well, uh, Birmingham's a big city. Let's let's put uh, self-storage in Birmingham. 
and they haven't done the numbers. They don't know what. I, and so, if if we're all educated about self storage, then we can all coexist, and we can all we can all have the fruits of of self storage. But if we're uneducated, then we can't. But yeah, so many people just say, "Shut up! Don't, don't say anything!" and uh, and just let's let's go about your business nice and quietly. But I I I, I believe that self storage has massively changed my life, my family's life, and hopefully my kids' life. And I, I, like marriage, most marriage breakups are down to money, etc. And so, if if you can just give the gift of, of somebody just uh, the the financially independent and they've got a business that's doing well, why wouldn't you do that? Why why wouldn't you help other people out? Sure. Okay. Well, we're on this, both on the same page there. I get questioned too about it about commercial property, but I don't think people realise how something big the commercial property market exactly, is. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely colossal. I can't open up everywhere in the UK. There's no way I can I can possibly do that. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you a question that we didn't discuss off air. So. With your current process of developing out sites, Dean, you're generally looking at leasing property, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. At the minute, I've just actually before this call, I was on the phone with a bank manager, and he was saying to me, "You've got to get into freehold. Why are you in freehold?" And uh, and to get the big multiples, I know I need to get into freehold. But the reason I haven't yet is because I can go faster and open up more sites, leasehold. And don't get me wrong, I, I want to. I want to do. The, the freehold eventually um and i'm sure i said this last time but in the next year or two i would i would hope that i have <laughs> i have a freehold and i'm sure yeah. i said that last time it's exactly the same in, in the kind of serviced office space which which we have quite a lot of presence in that space and you've got huge multinational operators who are just operators in terms of what they um give to their customers they're effectively doing management agreements or lease leasehold lease agreements where they are able to grow extremely quickly take you know hundreds and hundreds of sites whereas us we're just at snail's pace here because we're just buy one redevelop yeah. it spend two or three years then we go and finally find another one and then we do you know we're never going to conquer the world like that so there's definitely a balancing act to get there yeah of course there is yeah <laughs> okay so containers um, I know you'd had you'd mentioned there about Beverly, which has been a great site for you for a long time. Can you just give us a little bit of an insight as to where that site is now? Because you you developed that from. I'm just going back to myself for a second, Dean. You develop out a site, you do all the work, it's your baby, and then eventually you work out. You know what? Actually, I'm going to have to leave that site to systematize and to enable me to go and do that next site, whether it's leasehold or freehold or whatever. So you've systematized that site quite a long time ago, but also I think from memory, you've had the odd competitor come into the market. And so it has evolved. And yeah. So so the, the, the competitor who came in the market was actually my landlord uh, yes. because he, he listened to my podcast and uh, <laughs> and he, he actually tried to kick me out. We had a year left on my lease and for the last, because it was a five year rolling lease, so short term. Um, and and so he was trying to kick me out because he wanted to open up a self-storage for himself. In the end, he found out he couldn't kick me out. So I signed a 20-year lease, but he increased my rent 44%. You know what? I'll just sign it. And so he's opened up. But do you know what? In Beverly now, by the way, Beverly is saturated. So don't come into Beverly anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, it, it wasn't. He's doing well. I'm doing well. We're 80. I can't it was was either eighty eight percent over the weekend, and now we're eighty five, or was eighty five percent over the weekend, and now we're eighty eight. But it always fluctuates around between eighty 
and 92, 93 percent. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't change much because I, I don't believe it should ever be 100 uh, percent full because then you need to be doing revenue management, increasing your prices, etc. Supply and demand. It's like an aircraft. Uh, the less a seat, the less seats you are on an aircraft, the more the more you spend on it uh, on that seat. So my rent at the minute is 18,000 pound a year. My rates are 6,000 pound. We've got no water there and electric is maybe £2,000 a year. That's it. And our turnover is £165,000 around yeah. about that figure every single year. And we don't, we must spend around about, and I, I hate people coming on podcasts and passive income, blah, 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 but we must spend, or my team must spend maybe one to four hours a week on, on that site because it's a mature site. Don't get me wrong, when you first open up, you will be spending more time on it. The longer you're open, the more long-term customers you get. So we don't get many ins, we don't get many outs. It's a small site, 92 units, and um, and it's it, it just it's a beautiful, beautiful site. But in terms of automation, um, I heard you on the previous episode saying about how the locks, what do you do with locks? Um, I wanted exactly the same. So what I did, I went around the country and I, I was customers of people who do uh, who do these units and and the the systematize it and I'm thinking, well, how do you do it? What do you do? And so I went to indoor manless facilities and I went to outdoor manless facilities. I'm like, what do they do? And for indoor, it, it's relatively the same to outdoor. So what they do is they leave a keypad in your room and or in your container. If you use it, the charger. If you don't, the dirt. And it's as it's as simple as that. But how do you put that in there when somebody leaves? It, again, really simple. You have cleaners come round either once a week or once every two weeks, or tw- depending on how busy your site is. And one of their jobs is to is to not only clean the unit and make sure the unit's okay, but everybody who leaves just replace the padlock with a padlock there. Um, but internally, you can obviously have um, you can Janice, you can have no key, etc. But yep. outside, it's a little bit more difficult, and that's why you just need to leave your padlock. And what we do, because we've we've got a fob, so we haven't got a keypad, which was a, a mistake. Uh, I'll go into another mistake as well that we made. Um, so it's a fob. So we've got to actually get that fob to somebody. And so how we do that, then we have a secret thingy where you can you can basically hide a key you can put a key in it and every single one of them has a different number and then we just tell the customer that's that's a number there you go you can open it up so you enter it so that's that's quite simple um another mistake that i made was i didn't make provisions for double stacking and now it's i've had wheelbox down and it's so it's going to be so hard to double stack the way we've done things because I didn't get somebody professional like Wheelbox down to come and and do a survey of the site and tell me what where's the best position. I didn't do any of that. I just thought, oh yeah, this this looks good. This will this will work. And now Wheelbox have come down and I, I can't get as many double stacking units yeah. in as I as I could do. So that's that's Beverly in a in a roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. That discussion with. Um with Tom last week about how to set up a site with the thought in your mind of double stacking at the start, because otherwise you can back yourself into a corner. So were yeah. you finding it difficult to actually to get access to put the container in on the double stack or actually access for the customer to get to the double stack? What was the issue? Um, it's to the, to, to, for the customer to get to the double right. stacking, uh, to get the actual, um, the stairs in we have, we've got to move some containers to get there that's what we've got to do but also we got we didn't buy containers um for we didn't we didn't buy all containers we actually um, modified our own so we got them purpose built they've got yep. ply line inside they've got um proper uh, insulation like like your home um there are electric roller shutters they've got lights in um so that they're really really nice units but the problem is we don't know if the strength is is enough to double stack on them ones 
We've got yeah. 60 of those and 32 containers. So, right. and it so happens around the perimeter, that's where we've got them ones. So we need to do some tests to make sure that they can actually withstand. They should do, but should do is not good enough. You can't squash yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> and their stuff. So fobs, just to go back to that, the fobs you're talking about for um, gaining access, is that, um, what, what system is that? Uh, it's called Paxton. Oh, it's a Paxton system, right? Okay. And do you have internet on that site? Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, we have internet on that site. Yeah. The, the, the only reason I'm asking that is that we have been using Fobs with Paxton. Then we moved to Cards with a different system, and now we've got um, uh, an app for our customers where yeah. you can basically they can just use their phone, so yeah. they don't need a Fob. That's what we've got, Clifford. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but going back to retrospectively do that at somewhere like Beverly might be a bit more challenging, I guess. Yeah, because all, all we've got to do is put lock boxes on. So lock boxes might cost seven quid or whatever. And then for every different size unit, we've got a lock box for that different size unit. And so when somebody goes down there once a week, if we've got one of those empty, we just put it in the 50 square foot unit and then somebody will come. Yep, drive up there. Your, your lock box is number one or number two or whatever it is. We've got six different sizes, I think. And then your number to get in is one four two nine and that's so we, we've solved that problem cost efficiently rather than rather than okay so deal. so just going to Wrexham now where yep. you've we've got this new site and, and you've you've gone from an owner occupier to now trying to make it completely manless in fact i think you have got to manless right so yeah what is because Wrexham's not that close to you <laughs> so <laughs> so what are the things you've had to do to make that site work manless I mean, yep. that's a big step yeah so so firstly it was we we i i wanted to have a site far, far, far away because i didn't want to be able to just go there just you know be a be the problem yep. uh, be the solution to every problem and so to, to really learn manless we, we've we've had to have a site three and a half hours away because although clough road is manless we're just 10 minutes away we're four miles down the road and so any problem like when the alarms go off we can be there you know yes. and so we've had to we've had to get people to monitor the cctv so i think it's a dsoc uh are doing all that for us a guy called ant is is on is on linkedin really good guy brilliant guy um and so they're they're doing all that um and they can they can monitor the the cameras they can um if there's any out of hours calls they they monitor that as well so to, to get it manless what we've had to do because it was run very old-fashioned. So it was open Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, 10 till 4. And then on a Thursday, it wasn't open because they don't like working Thursdays, which, you know, fair enough, it's a lifestyle business. Fridays, it was open 10 till 4. Saturdays, it was open to maybe midday um, and then the close, <laughs> uh, but it might be a little bit earlier. Sundays, yeah. it didn't open. And that meant that customers couldn't access their belongings if there wasn't there. Every single day when they came in, they had this ruddy, great, big old shutter. And you had to have these metal, you had to pull this metal to get it up. It was actually quite hard work. And I'm like, right, we can't be doing this every day. What, how can we do, what can we do here? So we put a new shutter on or put a new mechanics in it to make sure the shutter's electric. We fenced it off to make sure, because if you're going to go manless, do believe you should have two forms of security. Not everybody does though. There is a company called UK Storage who only have a door and that seems to work for them. I don't think they've had any problems, but just for peace of mind, I'd rather have two forms of security. Uh, some people have three. And so we've we put a fence up, we put a gate there, we put PTI on it. Um, so then people put their own pin code in. They, they can enter the building with a pin code. We've got uh, a separate door 
it's, it's a magnetic lock, um, which is is really safe. Um, and they put the pin code in there. So they put the pin code in twice to get access to the building. When they've got access to the building, then they put the electric roller shutter, put it up or down. But what we did, what we didn't realize is that when we made the roller shutter electric, it didn't go down on its own. So <laughs> we realized that midnight one night that the roller shutter was still up. <laughs> we didn't think about that. And uh, and so we've, we've had to make sure that it's if it's not, you know, however many seconds um, it goes down automatically. We've had to put a pressure pad in there. So if any if it touches anything, then it goes straight back up as well. So again, yes. it doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt anybody. So it, overall, it's actually been a £50,000 investment to make it manless. However, when you when you look at that, uh, overall, we're saving twenty thousand pound on wages because someone doesn't have to be physically there, and also it's it's more secure as a site now because there's a there's a palisade fence around the outside, and it's easier for customers to come in. Uh, they've got access whenever they want. They, they yeah. can have access twenty hours a day, rather than if they want access on a Thursday, they can't have it. You know, so it, yeah, that's it's, it's yeah, and that means you can put up your price. Yeah, so basically, it was ninety k to buy, I think you said, and then fifty k is the, the investment on um, making it manless. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, it's 50K. And then we've got other investments where we can we can actually put containers on the site as well, which will be which will be good. Um, and then the, the, the previous owners, uh, they didn't utilize the space correctly. So they wanted, uh, I've never ever seen this before in my life, um, but they wanted a car to drive into the indoor self-storage. So they wanted the aisles to be wide enough for a car to drive down, which again, it's it's thinking outside the box, but you're not utilizing the space. The idea with self-storage is that, you know, if you're internally, you want you want 75% of your internal space, you want it to be lettable at least. Yeah. Um, and there, theirs isn't, theirs is nowhere near that. I think it's like 56%. And so we've got to put, um, we've got Janice to come down or Cuboy to come down. We're getting quotes and we're going to put um, little units on the side um, so that we're going to decrease the, the width of the aisles to, to make sure we can put extra units on there so we can increase the capacity. Yeah. Okay. And obviously that's more capital expense. Yeah, sure. But you're starting from a low base point there, aren't you? I mean, what was the revenue in terms of the market? Was the revenue quite low? I don't mean the overall revenue. Sorry, the charges, the actual rate that they were charging. Yeah, I mean it was it was all over the place um, because they never did. Uh, some people have been. Uh, one person was paying one pound a week for a thirty-five square foot unit. <laughs> right, we, we really need to look at that one. There's an upside um, there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so it was. It, I think it was it was under fifteen, um, but higher than ten. I think it was like twelve or thirteen pound overall, and we're getting twenty one pound at our sites. Uh, even our external site, we're getting twenty four pound at Beverly. We're getting twenty one pound, I think, at, at Willoughby. But obviously, the, the the longer a site goes on, the revenue management comes into place, and the higher the the price per square foot you're getting. It's currently taking. Um, it, it, well, he said it was taking 120. It's probably taking more like 110,000 pounds, 109,000 pounds if we go on, on last month's takings. Okay. Well, okay. So um, that site, just to finish off on Wrexham, did that come about from the podcast? No. Um, so <laughs> I, I like my mentors, as you know. And so I went, um, I've I've listened to Jonathan Jay for, for ages and ages yeah. and ages. He, he basically goes around buying businesses. I think he's bought 43 businesses in the past two years. And he's got a podcast out, um, Deal Makers or something like that. Um, really, really good, really intelligent guy. And uh, I'm part of his mastermind. I think I paid 16 grand to be part of his mastermind. We all go down, we sit in a room and we talk about buying businesses. But I'm, I'm a sort of person that 
my concentration, yeah, I just I just switch off. I'm, I was never good at school. And <laughs> and so I got in touch with him and said, Jonathan, I'm, I'm not really learning uh, from this. Can I pay you to coach me privately? Because um, he knows my other business coach, Dan Bradbury. And uh, and he said, he said, yeah. He said, uh, he said, what do you get off Dan? And I said, well, I get a call every other week. And if you tell me what to do, I'll do it, mate. Because I'm, I'm pretty good at just, if someone tells me what to do, I, I do it. <laughs> so I'm pretty good at that. Um, and so he said, yeah, it'd be another 10 grand. And so I'm like, right, done. So within eight weeks, I bought a business and it was great. And just, you just said, right, this is this is a protocol, this is what we do. We send out letters, this is where you get the letters from, this is how we wear it. I'm like, okay, this is this is quite straightforward. This is, this is quite simple. And uh, and then he said, This is what you do in negotiation. But the problem is, Jerry, I was terrible at negotiating, so they wanted eighty thousand. <laughs> and you end up paying ninety. <laughs> Jerry, it gets worse. So uh, they wanted it over three years, and I'm paying over two years. <laughs> And the, the reason I did that is because he had a heart attack uh, last year. And I'm thinking, I, I wouldn't, because they, they want to retire and uh, they want to go and live in Portugal and, uh, and and go and live in the sun. And I thought, well, you know, 80 grand isn't isn't a massive amount of money. 90 grand isn't a lot of, you know, working life, you know, and you get to retire from that. And and I just I just thought I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't ever sit right with me if that, heaven forbid, something happened to him and I passed away before that, you know that they could live together, enjoying the, the fruits of that, that money. So I said, I said, I'll give you ninety thousand. I'll pay over, pay over two years. And he just, uh, oh, okay, yeah, that, that's a deal. <laughs> when I told Jonathan that, he said, he said, Dean, I've never, I've never had somebody so bad at negotiating. <laughs> yeah. But I, I felt like I did the right thing. So I was, I was, I, I'm, I'm. I'm more about doing the right thing than, 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 than I suppose making. Well, I, I want to make money. I don't want to come across like I don't, I don't care about money because I 100% care about money. I, I think of money as like fun tokens, you know, for my wife and kids and stuff. And I, I spend money on stupid things. But yeah, I, I want to be fair as well. And it was a balance. Yeah. It, so basically, you're paying, I'm paying nine pounds per square foot for a, a self storage facility, which is crazily cheap because to to do to do the shop fit alone, Johnny's came and the shop fit was 15 years old, but he used to go around and wipe it every day, you know, meticulous. It's cleaner than my Willoughby site and my Willoughby, and my, probably my Clough Road site. It's so clean. And when Janis came around, they said, you're talking £220,000 for, for this shop fit. And, you know, if you to do it today. And so not only have I got the shop fit, I've also got the customers there as well. So yes. it, it was a, it was a no brainer. It was, it was a good, it was a good deal for them and for me. Okay. So that's Wrexham. I want to talk a little bit about Bradford. Yes. So. <laughs> Does anyone cry on this podcast? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so Bradford was a site you were very excited about. So tell us why you were so excited about that site, Dean. Yeah. So, well, and maybe within that, you could maybe just give us some of the things you look for insights, right? You know, when, yes. you're, when you're out looking about, I, 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 this is not this. And just to give listeners a bit of clarity, this wasn't an operating site. This was a bit of ground, right? Yeah. Yeah. This was a bit of ground. Um, I heard you so even hurt me yesterday when I was listening to the podcast about with, with Willbox and saying that you've got to do this and you've got to do that to make sure that you know it's all in place and the grounds are. Right. I was thinking. Bloody hell! It was already done. It was tarmacked. They had a gate. They had they had floodlights. They had CCTV. They had the lot, and it was on a great location. And ah, oh, I messed it up. I'll get to that in a minute. It really did hurt me. Honestly, it really did hurt me. And it's it because of me being bloody bloody greedy. I give ten thousand pound away, and then I try to save money. And oh. yeah, so what I look for on the site is that yeah, self storage will work most places now. 
Um, you can put it on the back of an industrial estate and I, I think it'll work. However, I'm all about longevity and I'm all about building something to sell. And if you're going to build something to sell, you need longevity. So they come hand in hand. How do you get longevity? Well, I'm in a mastermind in America for self-storage uh, because what happens over there comes over here in terms of self-storage. And everybody's talking about position. You've got to be in a good position. I don't want to be out positioned by anybody ever. So I don't want to be worried about a competitor coming into my neighborhood because I know that I can out position you. I'll probably outrank you if you're a newbie anyway because of SEO on, on Google. So I, I look for a good location. So it's got, for me, it's, it doesn't have to be on the main road, but it, it, it needs to be near a main road if you like. Um, so I, I want to be, the location is key for me. And then I look at competitors. I look at what, what they're doing, how much they're charging how full they are. Obviously, I pretend to be a customer. I go walking around there and I see what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. How can I, what, what could be my USP? How can I stand out? Can I do anything? Whether it be, uh, for example, Bradford, there was an operator there uh, that, was, that was really cheap, but the units were terrible. The units were were really terrible. They, they was charging £9.50 per square foot. And so I, I did my projections just based on, on their figures, knowing full well I can get more because we're using once-used shipping containers. We're, we're grepho-firming them. We're painting them different colors as well. So that, that for me is important, looking at the competitors, looking how much square foot there is in the market already in terms of self-storage. And then stupid little things like population. Is it is it increasing? Is it decreasing? Now, they make a big deal about this in America, but I don't think it's as, as big over in the UK because I don't think the population moves around as much in the UK as it does in America. But I still want to see if there's... Um, if if uh, if it is decreasing or if it is increasing, what's happening with population over a period of time? And also, is there one major job supplier? So, like in in Hull, it might be Smith and Nephew, for example, or Siemens have just come into the area. Who who is who is employing the most of a, of of the people? Because if that changes, then it can change the whole dynamic. If five thousand people lose a job or whatever, then we're we're, we're going to be in trouble. And so I just I, I look at that. I don't put too much emphasis on it. I, I then look at the age range as well. See so what's the demographics. I, I, I go into I go into to all loads of detail, but you don't need to go in that much detail. Basically, as long as it's in a good location, as long as it's not oversupplied, um, and you get your price good uh, on point, then 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 it'll work. So in terms of Bradford, um, they wanted forty five thousand, but it's been on the market um, on and off the market for two or three years, and they've been messed around a little bit. So I came in there and uh, saying, "Oh look, look at my covenant. I've got I've got a business with five hundred five hundred thousand net bid there. I've got my my balance sheet is good, blah, 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 blah. but I want a year's rent free." And I want it for thirty-five thousand pound. And he said, "Dean, we can't, we can't get to that. What we can get to is if we can give you six months rent-free, and we can get to forty-two thousand. And I said, "I'll give you forty thousand, and and I'll go for nine months rent-free." And basically, it went quiet. And then I, I was like, "Hello," <laughs> emailed him. <laughs> and but at this point, by the way, I've took my wife down separately. I've I've already contacted Willbox about it. I've asked them how much, uh, just over the phone. I've said, look, this is this is the dimensions of it. How many units will I get in? They told me I get in this amount. Uh, I've done the projections here. I've I've uh, if if this is just single stacking, by the way. So this is at nine pound seventy five per square foot, um, and this is just increasing by six hundred and twenty three square foot per month. So I'll fill it within twenty four months. It would have a twenty six point two return on investment. But that is at the very, very low, low rate of that £9.75. The insurance as well is only 10%. Uh, we work on 15% of our revenue comes from insurance. So even if I just, I'll, I'll do this while I'm talking to you, even if I just increase the, the insurance, it goes straight to 29% uh, return on investment. And let's say I didn't get £9.75. Let's say I got £12 per square foot. It goes to 46, oh God's sake. <laughs> 
it goes to 46% return. And I, I was I was haggling over something so little that didn't ultimately matter. And then so I was on hold at the time. So I got cold feet and said, listen, I've been thinking about it. I'll uh, I'll pay the I'll pay I'll pay the money. Uh, you know I'll 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 meet that. And he goes, I'm I'm very sorry, Dean, but we've already had an offer accepted. I'm like, oh god, um, right, okay. And I thought about it. I thought <laughs> I went back to him and said, I tell you what, I'll pay forty five thousand pound, and I I don't want any rent free period. And <laughs> still turn me down. <laughs> oh, oh, no, <laughs> because he said uh, he said that they've already said yes to the other people, even though they're paying. Um, forty two thousand. Even though I was offering more money, and I was a stronger covenant, that's a lesson learned. You know, I'm I'm saving pennies to make thousands, and here I am arguing over a couple of thousand pound where I'm giving ten thousand pound away to to somebody who didn't, didn't even want it, didn't even ask for it, I give it away. <laughs> so yeah, that that really hurt because it was it was in such a good location, and I I also there's something called uh, drive time maps, and so within a five minute. Uh, drive time, what's the population, and a 10-minute drive time as well. And it's a really good little tool. Don't get me wrong, you've got to pay for it. I think it's £55 per, per location. But it was the numbers were crazy, um, the area. It was like 226,000 population Dur during uh, peak time. So when, when you're traveling slow, in the 10-minute drive time, there was 226 but population around there. I saw the demographic, everything, everything added up. It was probably the best site I've ever seen in the best location, and I missed out, and it was stupid of me. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not over it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not over it, yeah. And do you know what the the person who's taken on the site is going to be doing with it? No, no, I don't. But I, I've got a sneaky feeling it will be containers, and that that'll even hurt even more because I did ask, and they said because I even put planning in as well. I, I didn't put planning in. I got my planning guy to speak to the people, and they said that yeah, it'd be it'd be straightforward to get. Um, so that they said I'd have to wait and have a look what comes up in the planning portal, yeah. and so I, I will check it. That's interesting you bring up planning because I was going to ask you about that bad for sight. You're you're going through the process of agreeing the price. Have you got subject to planning, or are you where, where where's your thinking on that? Yeah, I I always do subject to planning. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, I always make sure my break. I I I I try to have five year breaks myself, uh, but not for anybody else. I like my leases, long term leases as well and i think you've you've got to do subject to plan because if you if you if you don't get it then uh and it's just it's a normal thing anyway i, I don't, i've never had anybody you know say anything about it yeah. or, or any pushbacks whatsoever yeah sure so just going not necessarily just about bradford but just to clarify what would be if you had if you could only pick three things what would be the three critical things you'd be looking for when choosing a site this is for container storage yeah um so location for me and then yeah. population and then the competition what is a square foot per capita at the minute yeah okay so that's going back to that ratio again and what number on the ratio gets you excited so is it you know is it 0 0.5 square foot per person what, what what's the number yeah i i had this discussion with somebody who's in london and they they said they get excited with anything under 2.5 that's mm -hmm. in that but that's in london i'd still get excited with one yeah. Um, so because I know that we're increasing all the time and in five years time, one is going to look fantastic and I'm building long term for the future. So even if it's slow, early doors, I'm, I'm building for the long term anyway. Um, but it almost, if you out position people, it's 
it, it, it still matters, but it matters less so. And, and also another thing that one of my mentors said to me the other week um, was that if, if a site has, he constantly, and this is, this is somebody who's very, very successful in the industry. If a site has been there for 10 years, he considers that site full and he almost doesn't include it in his figures. He said that I can, I can take that away because I know that they're not, that they're not in the fill up. They're not in the lease. Up yeah. Cause the churn rate's a lot less. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like Beverly, my site. We've only got a limited amount of units available at any point. So um, if you want a hundred and sixty square foot unit, you might have to go elsewhere anyway because we can't we can't help you out. Okay, all right. So I'm thinking we might pause this conversation very shortly, finish off these containers because there's a few other questions I've got here. I want to ask you about running the business and this kind of structure. So we'll maybe come on to that in a minute. But just to finish off from the containers we mentioned early on about the about location being important and for you there's something there about the future isn't there and longevity and being able to maybe outlast what you think is going to be a fast period of growth so how, how do you think people can future-proof themselves basically yeah i i think you future-proof yourself by um by making sure the location is good um, I, I heard you mention about signage as well. Um, so Dave Davies is a consultant in the industry and he came down to my Willoughby site. And although I think I'm a good operator, sometimes you're in the weeds and sometimes you don't see, it's like your hair, you don't notice your hair growing until, oh, I need a haircut. And so sometimes you don't notice things. And he took me around my site and he goes, drive around and around about Dean, this is at Willoughby. So I drive around and around about. And he goes, what do you see? Nothing. Good. Drive around and around about again. So we're just going round and round this roundabout. I must've done it about nine times. And he goes, I'm just going to have to tell you, you're invisible. Where's your signage? I was like, oh, yeah. And so I, I think signage is, is really, really important. I think it's critical for businesses because it's almost – we pay to acquire a customer. If I acquire a customer from Google PPC, uh, Pipperclicks, for anything under £100, I am over the moon. But you can acquire customers from passing trades if you stand out. And so how can you stand out a little bit? Another thing that I do is that I don't want just standard containers – I want my containers, and by the way, I'm not saying you're wrong if, if people do this, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to future-proof myself. So I, I want to have GrapheoFirm in them. It maybe costs £200, um, but I also want my containers to stand out and not look like a normal container site. So we paint our latest containers. We paint uh, Our Beverly site is black and green. Uh, our new site, because black, by the way, attracts heat, and so we don't want to do that. So that's another mistake. So I painted them, <laughs> I, I painted them white and green this time, and it, they, they look really, really nice. So when people pass, it catches their eye. It's not just a container site. And I think people, um, every time I inquire, I inquired about two container sites yesterday as well, and I always get across that look, we're not just a normal container site who use banged up containers. There's some near me, and they actually do say, to be fair to them, if, if you're if you're storing goods that need to be waterproof, then uh, we're probably not the right people for you. And I, I do think that they give containerized storage a bad name because most people doing it now, we, they are nicer containers. You know, we, we do look after them. Uh, ventilation holes as well. Willbox, uh, they have either 14 or 16. Willbox said to me that you don't need graphotherm, but obviously we'll do it if you need to because uh, we've got vents and so the air circulates around. But it's not what you need. It's a perception of the customers. If they're perceiving that they're getting value and perceiving they're getting something, for, but they're not getting somebody else. So we can put insulated units where other people can't if they don't have that. So it's, it's another U USP. And so, yeah, to, to, to cut a long story short, I, I think that um, location, signage, 
and making sure your containers are a little bit different and spending that 800 pound to paint them or uh, if you do uh, that's that's what Willbox charge but if you do it yourself you know obviously it's a lot cheaper uh but it, it's well worth the money and just another re- another thing about about containers why i think it's so good i think containerized storage is is so popular right now and so good because of of the cash flow because you only have you only have to expand when you choose to for starters and when demand asks for it or needs it so you can buy a container two at a time, ten at a time, whatever it may be. But with indoor self storage, we're we're do, it's gonna be five hundred thousand pounds for me to do a shot fit uh, for for Mansfield. If I'm starting a container site, I'll start with ten containers. And exactly what you said, you don't want to have like loads of choice there because then you t- the customers know that there's endless amount of availability. <laughs> so the less availability. Yeah, it just it just makes perfect sense, and uh, you can fill up as and when you need to. And so from a cash flow point of view, then I, f- I feel as a containerized storage is fantastic. However, then everybody else knows that as well, and so the barrier to entry is lo- is lower yeah. with con- containerized storage. That's why I feel like more and more people come into the in- industry, and that's why location is key. Yeah, that, that, we we both had that conversation a couple of times, and and it's interesting you just say though location being key, so that people can see you, making sure you've got the signage, etc. But also anticipating other competitors come in the market and therefore how can you make yourself stand out and i think sometimes you almost have to keep some of those things back so we've we've got a site that's working really well for us right now um not not in stores in in um, office space working really well and i and i'm conscious that there are a few things we could do there to improve the offer but i don't want to do it too soon because i know we're going to get more competition so i almost want to just be judging when or, or getting the balance right between making everything bells and whistles straight away versus, well, actually, I'm, I'm going to keep some things in reserve to bring out later on when it gets more competitive because I know that we could have an advantage to this or that or whatever it is. And, it, and it's difficult sometimes to yeah. get and that. The, the, the way of right, thinking of about that is uh, if, if you do do all the bells and whistles now, it might stop a competitor coming in because they know how, how professionally run your site is. And I completely understand um, because in Beverly, our website was horrible. You couldn't book for the website. You couldn't reserve for the website. You couldn't do anything. It was just a bog standard because I didn't need to do anymore. And as soon as I get a competitor in, I had to up my game. We, we had to do things differently. And we, we put banners outside, which we never had before. But yeah, I, I get, <clears throat> we did exactly the same. However, I'd probably make it look as nice as possible to intimidate anybody else and think, right, if you're going to compete with me, you're going to have to spend some money. You're going to you're gonna have to get dirty with me. <laughs> That's a very fair point. That's a very fair point. Okay, right. So I want to get into, you love numbers. I'm going to get into talking about your numbers, but I think we're going to pause and we're going to come back on a second episode. Okay. Yep. You all right with that? I'm absolutely fine with it. Yeah. Brilliant. So if anyone listening wants to hear more from Dean, we'll be coming back again in another episode. All about numbers. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.